Thank you for listening to Pastor Cedric Brown of Commitment Church. Our hope is to inspire, refresh, and encourage you to be lights in a dark world. This week, we start a series called Pure Religion. If you do find this message inspiring or motivational, please follow Pastor Cedric or Commitment Church on Facebook and Instagram. Download our podcasts on Anchor.fm, Pandora, and other platforms. Now, here's Pastor Cedric. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you. Uh, well, welcome to Commitment Church. If you're here live and in, in person and those who are watching online, uh, my name is Pastor Cedric and I'm blessed to be the lead pastor here for a few years now. And uh, we're so excited about what God is doing, even in the midst of uh, the storms that we're navigating through, right? Uh, but we're into 2021, can you imagine? 2021, and we believe God's going to do some amazing things in all of our hearts in the life of his church. So if we can, let's bow our heads and just ask God to help us uh, today. Father, we thank you so much just for the awesome privilege to be here in your presence. Thank you so much, God, for uh, the power of your Holy Spirit that enables us to hear clearly from you, to respond faithfully to you. God, we thank you so much that you have uh, thoroughly equipped us to live in a dying world, uh, Lord, with uh, with honor and integrity with purity of faith and God I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just just help me clearly articulate exactly what you have assigned for us to learn in this new sermon series and I pray that you remove all the hindrances that may be in me in us that we may clearly know that we have heard from you Jesus so spirit of God please come and do what you do best in the hearts of your people and God, I pray if there's someone who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that they too will hear the voice of the Lord speak clearly to them, that they will respond faithfully to him in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. So we are starting a new and exciting sermon series I've entitled for you, uh, Pure Religion. Pure Religion, Remaining Pure in an Impure World. And I'm sure by, if I ask you by show of hands, who would attest that we live in a very evil, uh, frustrating, difficult um, uh, time in history. But I believe personally that God has assigned his church uh, for this moment in time in history to do and to be um, amazing lights in a dark world. So my, my excitement is, is, is genuinely sincere, believing that God is awakening his church to, to do some amazing things during this time. So that being said, the responsibility of the church is to live in a dark, evil world, unstained, untethered to what we see, what we experience. And my hope is that in this series, we will grab that and hold on to that and begin to live that. Now, that being said, I must be honest with you that personally, it's difficult to live out my faith in a climate such as this, right? Especially if you read social media and you have all these, these frustrating nuances that continue to, um, if you would, trip us up day in and day out. It is very, very difficult to live faithfully during this time. But in the midst of an absolutely evil, corrupt society, it is nothing new to God. Matter of fact, from the foundations of this world, uh, evil and corruption was in the heart of mankind dating back to the Garden uh, uh, of Eden, right? So the challenge we face, though, is, again, live in this world 
not be tethered to the world, not be consumed by the world, nor even stained by the world. How do we do that? And we're going to try to answer the question of how do we as followers of Jesus Christ work through the struggles of living day in and day out as men and women, young or old, married, unmarried, in a, in a, in a way, in a, in a state of purity. You follow me? Purity that ultimately sets apart who we are and what we believe and who we follow and who we believe in as opposed to every other belief, every other system that is unfortunately of this world. So the question that I have for you today is that if you could know factually how you can live and remain pure in an unpure world, uh, would you want that, right? I think we all probably would say yes to that. So that being said, can you open your Bibles to the book of James? The book of James, and as you're turning there, just to set the stage real quickly, is, is the book of James could be written by two, type, two people. It could be James, the half-brother of Jesus, or it could be uh, Jesus's cousin, James. Uh, we don't know there's this, there's this battle theologically to determine which James it was, but we know that it ultimately was a pillar of the, of the first century church. That being said, again, this, the, it was, the book of James is written to the 12 tribes of Israel that was dispersed abroad. Uh, you look at that in James chapter 1, verse 1. The 12 tribes that were dispersed abroad. That being said, think about this. If you, like the 12 tribes of Israel, were dispersed abroad in a foreign land, in foreign lands, how would you respond? What would you do? How would your lifestyle, how would your relationship with God be adversely affected by living abroad or living dispersed in a, in a wicked land? That's important to understand based upon the context of this particular book. So that being said, you think about this. Think about this. There, there was a scattered people that will inevitably cause difficulties, right? Scattered people cause difficulties. When you have difficulties, it will ultimately continue to scatter you even more. Think about this. We are a commitment community church, right? We are living, believe it or not, on foreign soil because our soil, our home is where? In heaven. So we're living on this earth. The human tendency is this, is when you have difficulties, you scatter more, right? You, you almost kind of leave the place of, of, if you would, uh, security, you even leave the place where you know actually it is best for you. So similarly, you have the children of Israel being scattered, and then they begin to be scattered more, causing them to ultimately lead to the, 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 the end game of one who is scattered in a foreign land. You begin to have what is called a spiritual drift. The very things that you learned, everything that you were taught, you begin to somehow abandon all those things because of the things of the world begin to latch onto you or you begin to latch onto them, causing a spiritual drift, what ultimately causes and leads to conformity to the world. And that's what you see over and over again within the body of Christ. And you see it probably polarized even more during the, the current condition that we're in as a as a nation and even as in the world today, that you see the church somehow, people of the church beginning to drift away, being scattered all the more, causes this spiritual drift that ultimately causes you and I to conform to the ways, the thinkings, 
and the lifestyles of, lifestyle of this world. So that being said, when you dig deep in the book of James, you find this, this ultimate narrative is that we don't, live our, we, we don't live our faith in Christ with an attitude of favoritism James talks about. In other words, that uh, I got it, I'm hyperly confident, I'm confident in my own abilities, my own way of thinking, my way or my own way of doing, but contrarily, there's no confidence in self, but the spirit of humility that ultimately models the life of Christ that says, I will live in humility, but my works will, my works will speak my faith. I will live by humility, I will live in humility, but my works will speak clearly my faith. That being said, what I believe begins to happen as followers of Jesus Christ, it then makes our faith more believable. So many times we want you to believe what I believe before you see how I live. And, and my hope in, in this sermon series is that, that by the end of the day, by the end of the, the series, that you and I will become so believable to the world in which we live that they themselves will want to come to know the Jesus that you have come to know yourself. Makes sense. Let's go deeper. So today, the one question we're going to answer is this. Where does this pure religion come from? Where does pure religion come from? Again, James chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 26 and 27, some other supportive verses. James 1, verse 26 and 27 says this. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Verse 27, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and, and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Secondly, to keep oneself unstained by the world. Pretty basic. Think of others more important than yourself and don't become stained by the world. A couple of key words we need to lay as a foundation. Verse 27 again, the word religion, it means this, religious disciplines. It also means true worship of God. And we're going to build from this, okay? So you have the reality that there are some spiritual disciplines that each one of us need in our walk with Christ, right? It's like, you know, you got to be able to bat and hit and run and catch and throw in sports, right? In other words, there's a responsibility and there's some basics of faith, some elementary principles that we need to live by and exercise every single day of our life on this earth. But then secondly, there's this true divine worship that God deserves and God requires from us all. Next word, the word pure. It means to, it means void of evil, purified by fire, like a vine cleansed by pruning, so fit to bear fruit, making sense so far, free from corrupt desires, from sin and guilt, blameless, innocent, and listen to the last part of this definition of the word pure. Unstaffed with the guilt of anything. Can you imagine living life unstained with guilt? 
absolutely unstained with guilt. Can you imagine living life? Think about this. Blameless, innocent. But that's pure religion. Pure religion is that you can have relationships with people. You can walk through life with this innocence and unstained by guilt. Every single day you lay your head down on the pillow. There should be no guilt before God and no guilt before man. Pure religion. The next word and final word that we're going to define in verse 27 is the word undefiled. Free from that which the nature of a thing is debased. Just let that uh, just simmer in your heart and mind. It says, free from that by which the nature of a thing is debased or its force and vigor impaired. So think about that for a minute. It's force and vigor impaired. Do you realize when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are empowered with the Holy Spirit who has force, who has vigor, who has power. So many times you see in the life of a believer, in the life of the church, no power, no authority, no vigor, no, if you would, a church that, and people that find themselves impaired to live a life that is holy, acceptable, and pleasing before God. So many times you find marriages, you find young and old, single or, or not, men and women of God who say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but for whatever reason, their holiness, their sacredness, right, the purity of the gospel is impaired in their lives. Over and over again, we see that scenario to the point that it ultimately defames the name of Christ and causes his reputation to somehow be diminished because of our inability to allow his power to manifest in our lives. He has given us the power of the Holy Spirit through his finished work. But yet, for whatever reason, we don't see his power, right? We don't see his power evident in love and joy and peace and long-suffering and self-control. We don't see the manifestations of the Spirit of God that ultimately communicates that there's this, this power to live above what we see day in and day out. The last part of the definition of undefiled means this. It said there, there's nothing in it that is defiled. It is unpolluted. It is undefiled by sin. And this is a very important word to, to grab a hold to, this final part of the definition, cleansed. You see, the beautiful part of the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. You can start dirty but you end cleansed. You follow me? Uh, we call it progressive sanctification. You come to know Jesus Christ, you're sanctified, separated. You live life on this earth, you continue to be sanctified. You die, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Sanctification is what? Complete. So the beautiful story of the gospel is at the end of the day, you may start out dirty, tainted, impure, but when you come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you go from impurity and dirtiness and, and, and right detachment from Christ to a place of being cleansed. And my hope in this series, again, just to hammer it home, is that before you leave today, maybe you came in thinking dirty or once I begin to describe purity for you, you said, how in the world can I reach that goal? How can I reach that mark? Again, before you leave the day, my hope is that you may leave, you may enter one way and then you leave cleansed. Amen? Let's answer the question. Where does pure religion come from? I'm going to answer it in four ways. 
Verse number 26 will give you our first three points. Pure religion begins with worshiping God. You cannot have pure religion without worshiping God. Let's look at this further. The word religious means this, fearing or worshiping God. It is external worship with the practice of what God demands of man. Think about this. It is the external worship with the practice of what God demands of man. You see, the beautiful part of one's relationship with God is this. What God demands of you may not be what he demands of me. What he demands of me may not be what he demands of you. Even in the basic principles of faith. So listen to me, guys, gentlemen. So think about this. God tells us in his word, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his very life for her, right? Well, see, the beautiful thing about that story or that part of the scripture says this. For my wife, Lisa, when our kids were younger, you know what loving her was? Changing dirty diapers. If you love me, change the diapers. If you love me, manage the kids for me. If you love me, give me a day off from the kids. If you love me, give me a day off of you. And that was hard for me to embrace, even as a, a man who loved my wife. You know what, sweetheart, Cedric, I, I probably need a day away from you. I need a day at the library. I need a day at Barnes and Noble. I need a day just to go read a book and you not hovering over me. <laughs> that's love. You know, it, it, strangely enough, that's, that's a communication of love. Communication of love is, is beautiful because it is specific to you as a man and it is specific to your wife whom God knows her specific heartfelt needs. Respect to a husband, ladies, is unique to the man that you're in love with and that you've married. But at the end of the day, our responsibility is we have this practice that God demands of you, that he demands of me. And we must respond to what God is demanding of you today. And the wonderful thing about God is that he doesn't back the truck up on us and give us all the demands at once. Progressive revelation. He will reveal piece by piece, bit by bit, over the times of your relationship with you. He'll give you more and more of what he is commanding and demanding of you relationally based upon the authority of his word. Pure religion is worshiping in spirit and truth, right? John 4, many of you know this passage. John 4, 23 and 24, it says this, but at the same, but at, but at the time is coming and even now has arrived when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Think about that. So God is literally seeking out men and women who worship him in spirit and in what? Truth. And you see, those are connected because you cannot worship God in spirit without worshiping him where? In what? In truth. You see, worshiping God in spirit and in truth is more than just coming in and singing songs. It's more than just coming in and singing songs. It's more than just raising your hands publicly. It's, a, it's really when you come here publicly and you worship him, right? And that's just our our minuscule way of being able to describe really what worship is towards God. But what we're going to uncover is worship goes beyond the doors. 
Worship is a way of life. Listen to what the scripture says in Romans 12.1. Some of you know this as well. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living and a holy sac- uh, sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I like the King James said, it is your reasonable form of worship. In other words, when I remember reading that as a young person in the Lord, it's like, that's the least you can do, Cedric. It's to live for my glory. But think about this. Someone told me early in my faith, they said this. You know, it says, Cedric, you know what the problem with living sacrifices are? They can always get up from the altar. And you see, that affects pure religion. You see, when the heat is turned up on you in life, guess what the human tendency is to do? Get up and leave. You see, when the heat turns up in your marriage, when the heat turns up, when your children start disrespecting you, right? When they get a little older, now they're thinking on their own, making their decisions on their own. You're starting to feel disrespected. Guess what that is as a parent? It's still your responsibility to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. It's still a man's responsibility, a father's responsibility, not to provoke my children to anger, right? So it is still my responsibility. So I cannot get up from the altar of, a, of the father, you follow me? Because it's now hot. It's now difficult. It is now, it is now tough to manage relationally. But our responsibility is to realize that no, no. What is my reason of? Reasonable form of worship before God is ultimately stand on the altar even when it gets hot. Even when it gets hot. You see, this pure worship as well, it, it's, it's a thankfulness. Hebrews 12, 28 says this, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Do you realize that? You are part of a kingdom. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it cannot be shaken. You are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's show gratitude, it says, by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. You see, the least we can do before God is to continue to be thankful when things get shaky. Because we have a foundation and we have a kingdom that cannot and will not ever be shaken, right? Listen, the scriptures are clear. It says what? The very gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. And if you're part of the church, no matter how hot it gets, no matter how difficult it gets, the very gates of hell will never prevail against you because you're part of the kingdom of God. It cannot be shaken. So that's something to be excited about, something to celebrate, not to bail out on our faith when things start getting shaky. Lastly, you find this about pure religion begins with worship. It says worship is service to him. And this is super important only. Service to him only. Luke chapter 4 verse 8 says this. Jesus replied to him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Super important to understand what this word only means. This word only means only, <laughs> or means alone, or it comes from a Greek word mono, where we get monotheism, worship of one God, one only God. But here's our challenge, church. This is where, this is where pure religion gets infected and tainted. We start worshiping the God 
of my wife. I start worshiping the God of my husband. I start worshiping the God of my job. I start worshiping the God of my bank account. And then now I'll go from monotheism to polytheism. I go from monotheism to idolatry. So our challenge is to understand is that our responsibility is, listen, God bless you with that man, but that man should never be worshiped. God has blessed you with that woman, but that woman should never be worshipped. God has blessed you with the children, but the children should never be worshipped. God has increased your bank account, and your bank account should never be worshipped. God has given you a dream job. He's given you your education. He's given you all the successes and, and everything that you pray for and desire, but they should never be worshipped. Listen, your ministry should never be worshipped. You should never do anything because the pastor said do it. You do it because he says do it. See, do you realize most people won't bail out on ministry, won't bail out on God if they understand you should worship the Lord your God and serve him only? Pure religion, pure religion. When we start worshiping other gods, it defames the name of Christ. Where does pure religion begin? It begins with worship. Worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Worshiping him only for all times. Pure religion begins, you find again in verse 26, with the heart, with the heart. You can't worship him without it first coming from where? The heart. You can't worship him in truth. You can't worship him in spirit unless it comes from a pure heart. Listen to what it says. If anyone thinks himself to be religious yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart. One thing is true and you find within the scriptures over and over again, tongue and heart are synonymous. So when God is saying that you got a tongue issue, he's really saying you have a heart issue. Let's, 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 let's go deeper. Two key words, verse 26. The word bridle, it means to retrain, it means to control, and it means to govern. Retrain your heart. To retrain your tongue you have to first retrain your heart. So if you have a problem that you can't control your tongue, you don't have a tongue problem, you have a heart problem. The word heart, it is the, the soul of mind or that seat and center of your thoughts, your passions, your appetites, your desires your affections, your endeavors. So think about this. The best way I've come to describe the heart is this. It's the real person. In other words, when a person dies, you no longer see his passions. You no longer see his affections. You never longer see the person's emotions. It ceases to exist on the side of heaven. That real person is no longer there. That, that part of that person that keeps them alive, keeps them excited, keeps them engaged, keeps them frustrated, keeps them excited. It's no longer there. 
that immature part of man that you can't really put your finger on, but it's there. Pure religion begins there. Is that if you're not worshiping him with your affections, your appetites, your passions, you could be passionate about something, but it has nothing to do with him. You could be passionate about serving the Lord because it's all about you. Because you enjoy it. But it has nothing to do with Jesus. That's a heart issue. How do I know? You see, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Look at Matthew 12, 34. It says this. You offspring of vipers. Interesting to use vipers, right? Serpent, viper. It says, how can you, being evil, express any good thing? For the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. Luke 6.45 communicates the same thing. It says, the good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. The evil person, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. From your, from your heart flows springs of life. Proverbs 4.23, it says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows springs of life. Lastly, Proverbs 10.11 says this, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Listen, there's a reason why Jesus says this when he stepped on the scene. He says, you say, you shouldn't commit murder. But I say, if you hate, you say, if you hate your brother, you have committed murder. You say you should not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you desire that woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. You see, because ultimately sinful, evil acts begin a long time prior than when they show up on the scene. They're in the crevices of our hearts. And, and see, something that I personally learned is this. You see, we all go south every now and then. I personally learned that I try to, every now and then if I vent on Lisa, I say, you know what, I'm just venting. I know, I know, I know, I'm just talking nonsense right now. I, I know, I know right now, I'm just, you know, spewing words right now. Versus spew words and be like, oh, everything I'm saying is right. Everything you say, you think is wrong. In other words, it's better to say, I got an issue. And it has to be cleaned up. In other words, it must be bridled. It must be retrained. I have an issue in my heart that keeps reoccurring and reoccurring and reoccurring and is destroying and decaying people all around me and is ruining the reputation of Jesus Christ. And I must retrain my heart. It's better for a man to sit down with his son and say, son, listen, please forgive me. Daddy's got a heart issue. Versus just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and say, respect me because I'm dad. It's better for a mother who gets angry and frustrated with kids who don't listen to you and drive you up the wall to have a family meeting and say, sweethearts, 
pray for mommy because mommy's got a heart issue. Begins with a heart. James talks about, the scripture talks about how can sweet water and fresh water come out of the same stream? In other words, it says, how can you say if you're a Christian and you love Jesus and your heart belongs to him that you keep talking that way and justifying that you can say whatever you want to say? So for people who say, well, you know, that, that's, that's just like being religious because, you know, uh, you, know, I, you know, I say a little curse word. I drop an F-bomb every now and then. And, oh, you know, I, you know I, just, I just, I'm being real. Well, no. It's impure religion. Where does pure religion begin? Worshiping. Him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, in spirit and in truth, and realizing that we got to manage our hearts. We have to retrain our hearts. Number three is also verse 26. Is pure religion begins by understanding its worth. And that's important. Think about it. If you don't think it's worth anything, it's not worth fighting for is not worth governing is not worth dealing with my heart it's not worth anything it's not worth worship it's not worth it all so look at it again verse 26 it says anyone thinks himself to be religious yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this person's religion is worthless so if i don't worship him in spirit and truth i don't govern my heart People look at our religion and say, ah, I don't need that. My humble opinion is that those people closest to us see us up front, close personal family, co-workers, that they will never place a high value on the finished work of Christ until we do. I believe a follower of Jesus Christ should take ownership that if my son, my daughter, my friend, whoever, doesn't, not, you know, understand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying doesn't commit, doesn't follow, doesn't sell out to Jesus, but doesn't believe. Okay, because you can believe, because demons believe. You follow me? You can believe and still not follow. You follow me? In other words, this is my personal gauge, even with my, my adult children. Can I still sit down with them to at least give my opinion of Jesus? And they respectfully hear me. Now, you can make an adult choice to live for him or not. It's your, your choice. You're held accountable to God, how you live your life, what you do. But can I sit down with you and you believe that I believe and you see factually the power of Jesus in my life and you can ever deny that. You can make your choice but can you stand before me, stand before God, can you look into your heart and say 
You are not the reason why I don't believe. I'm just making a choice. Most Christians can't even say that. But that should be your litmus test. Those people closest around to you, can they honestly look at you and say, you're not the reason why I don't believe. You're, you're, I can honestly say that you live everything above reproach and you're clearly not the reason why I'm not following Jesus. It begins with your worth or your understanding of the worth of it. Because when you think about this, how many of you today have come to know Jesus because of someone else? And what you've seen of value in that person's life. You may not probably, you, you may not knew, know how to articulate it, but you, you, you know, we say words like, oh, this is something about that person just drew me. There's just something about that person's character, just something the way how they carried themselves, the way they conducted themselves on the job. There's just something about that person. The word worthless means this, devoid of force, truth, success, results, useless, of no purpose. The unfortunate fact in this is that so many Christians' life looks like this. That there's not the evidence of the power of God in their lives. No truth, no success, no result. There's uselessness, there's no purpose. One of the things I always tell Christians, I say, you know, one of the most miserable persons on the face of the planet, you know what it is? A follower of Jesus Christ with no purpose. What am I created for? Because each one of us are created for something. And I believe once you understand the value in that, then that communicates abroad to everyone. This same word of worthless here is attached to no resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7, where Paul describes the gospel, you know, the finished work of Jesus Christ, that he came, he died, he buried, he rose again, and said, this is the gospel in which we preach and which we live. He says this in verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. You see, and this is what I, I hang my hat on, church, is this. Is if I do not see the power of God in my life, where's the finished work of Jesus? Where's the finished work of Jesus? If you, if you can't come to a place in your life that you're not running back and forth to the altar, you're not, you follow me, you're not getting up and down from the altar, you're not escaping every time it gets hot, right? It says, okay, well, do you really understand the finished work of Jesus Christ? Do you really understand the finished work of Jesus Christ? It says, listen, listen to what uh, Galatians 2.20 says, right? I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. And it's life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his very life for me. That's what it's about. 
It's understanding the worth and the value of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then his work and his finished work has become so evident, powerfully evident in my life in every situation. Not just some, not just the easy parts of life, but the difficult parts. You see, pure, pure religion is proven valuable because of the, resur- the, the proof of the resurrected value of Christ in a believer's life. When people see Jesus alive in your life, man, that proves who we serve is real. Where does pure religion come from? Where does it begin? Worshiping God within our hearts. When we place value and worth on it, meaning the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, verse 27, it says, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and our fathers is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. We can live in the world, but we can't become stained by the world. We can't be Baptismal, we can't be baptized in it, we can't be sitting in it and thinking that it won't corrupt you. What you think on long enough is what you start believing. What you believe is what you start living. The word unstained means spotless and without blemish. And there's two great, three great examples here we find. First is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And it, it just communicates Jesus, the Lamb, who's spotless. You see, pure religion is without blemish because of its founder. <laughs> the founder is not tarnished. The founder, the founder is perfect. The founder is without fault. You see, every other founder there is, you know, you don't have the finished work. You don't have the value in it. Every founder from Buddha, Confucius, whoever, every founder is dead and you see their bones. But our founder, because of his rich value, he, he does, he's not found in the, in the tomb anymore. He's alive. He's, he's risen, and he's blameless. He lived a blameless life. We have a high priest that can sympathize with all of our weaknesses, the scripture says in Hebrew, because he was tempted in everything we were, yet without sin. Then it goes on to say, listen, that, that have you ever resisted sin to the point of shedding the blood? No, we haven't, but there's one who has. The lamb is spotless, 1 Peter 1, 19, having no sin in himself. Then in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, this is our challenge. Our challenge is, so our founder is spotless. The followers also must be what? Spotless. So listen to what it, how it describes us. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found spotless and blameless in and of yourself. No, not in and of yourself. It says by who? Him by him, 
by him. So we're not spotless because we're spotless, but we're spotless because what? He's spotless. But there's a responsibility. The word spotless here means in 2 Peter 3.14 is to not allow ourselves to become sinful through evil internal attitudes. You ever have an internal attitude? (laughs) It even says to not allow ourselves to become sinful through evil internal attitudes. But it also goes on to be defined as one against whom there can be no blame our reproach. We should get to a point in our lives that we have no internal attitude. That if I have all against you, I just tell you what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking with grace. Hey, I don't like you today, sweetheart. <laughs> Let me just tell you why. You know, I, I'm working through something on the inside. Pray for me because we're not, just not feeling you today, brother. You know, it's okay to be honest. Hey, you offended me. Versus having this internal attitude, right? Why are we having internal attitudes versus just dealing with it? And so many times we find in the body of Christ, it's just misunderstanding, gross misunderstandings. How many families are still divided because we choose to allow ourselves to become sinful through evil internal attitudes? Well, I'm not going to apologize to my brother because he said this to me 50 years ago. Right? I'm not going to call my mom. You know, she's the mom. She should know that what she said was offensive. No. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, do not become evil because of internal attitudes. Why? It's because you and I need to become one who understands that we must have no blame and there's no reproach. Pure religion is spotless because of Christ and because followers of Jesus Christ model our lives after Christ. I like to say it this way. We're not sinless, but we must learn to sin less and less, and less, and less, and less. We cannot keep repeating the same sins over and over and over and over and over and over again. Then it says Christ died needlessly because he died for you to eventually have victory. Sin less, and 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 less. Let me end with this. One of my favorite game shows is a game show called Let's Make a Deal. It's interesting because under every box, behind every curtain, behind every door, you must make a decision to risk it all. And that fascinates me, that what is that person going to do today? Will they be willing to risk it all based upon what's behind door number one, door number two, door number three? You see, that's pure religion. You know why? 
is because everyone in this room and everyone who's watching, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you know who you are? You wanted the boxes. You wanted the curtains. You wanted the doors. And everybody around you is participating and they're looking at your box, your door, and your curtain, and they're making a decision, will they be willing to risk it all for what's behind the door? You see, what's behind every believer's door should be found Christ and him alone. And our doors and our boxes and our curtains should become so attractive to those around us that they're willing to risk it all for Christ. What do people in your life see in you? Is your religion pure enough that those around you are willing to risk it to try it too? Let's pray. Father, we thank you because you're faithful. We thank you because you, Jesus, are the reason why it's pure. It's not that anything we can do or anything we can say, anything we can conjure up, to convince anyone to follow Jesus, but you, Jesus. No one comes to the Father unless you draw them. But yet, you somehow use us as vessels of righteousness to be the lure on the hook, if you would. God, I pray that you forgive us Forgive me for any time that we have become unattractive to the world. Forgive me, forgive us for any time that we've gotten so caught up in the world, its systems, its way of doing, its attitude, its evil ways. Forgive us. Father, we want to be pure. We want to be those doors, those curtains, those boxes in this game show called Life that people can be so drawn to want to risk it all. Because you, Jesus, you're just, you're just leaking. You're just leaking out and, and shining out in some unique way that they are so confident that that yes I want to go for what's behind door number one door number two door number three today church what door are you is your door so attractive that your friends your neighbors your co-workers sinner saints your enemy will want to risk it all if there's something in your life, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if there's something in your life, decisions you've made, attitudes of the heart, 
that you think, wow, you know, wow, I think I could be the problem that my religion has not been presented as pure to those around me. This would be a great time to acknowledge that and ask God to forgive you. If you find yourself stained by the world because of your personal decisions, this is a great time to ask Him to forgive you of them. Father, I pray that you would just cleanse us from all unrighteousness the way you promised. You're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Let this be so, Jesus. And today, if you're here or you're watching and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but now you realize that you want this pure religion that is found in Christ and Christ alone. You can just pray this short prayer with me, just acknowledging that you've missed it, you're a sinner, that you've been living life apart from him, but now you realize that he came for you. He died for you. He was buried for you. He rose again from the grave just for you. So if you would like this, you just repeat this simple prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, forgive me, for I have sinned against you. I've chosen to live my life apart from you. But I now realize that you, Jesus, came to die for me. You were buried for me. You rose again from the grave just for me. Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and even future. Wash me clean by your precious and powerful blood. And today, Jesus, I acknowledge you as my Lord and my risen Savior. Come and live within through the power of your Holy Spirit all the days of my life. Can we all stand to our feet, please, if you can? If you can, would just lift your hands with me. Lord, I pray for your people that you will help us, God, to be pure vessels, vessels of righteousness and good deeds. That, God, somehow, even in our failures, you will somehow still be glorified. Send us in the highways and the byways that we may compel people to come in that your house of worship may be filled both physically here and even online that you will use us as tools and vessels pray my God that you will bless us and keep us and let your face and your grace please shine upon us put your hedge of protection around us my God until we see each other again in Jesus name we're all set Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Thank you again for listening to Pastor Cedric of Commitment Church. If you would like to learn more about Jesus Christ, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org. 
This website will walk you through having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if you have made a decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you would like to support God's Word through this ministry by visiting www.commitmentchurch.org. You can also visit loveallnations.org for more information and to receive encouraging videos. Lastly, if you or your family reside in the South Jersey area, please visit us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. May God bless you and have a wonderful day.